Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at BTOsports.com and click the Amazon banner on PulpMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, Season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. This is the Houston Supercross wrap-up. Very exciting. Uh, Lots to talk about when it comes to Houston Supercross. And of course, before we talk though, Go to btosports.com for anything you need for your bike or body. Use the code PULPMX to save yourself big money. Right now, there's a huge tire sale going on at btosports.com. Go ahead, shop around, get your best price, then go back to btosports.com and you will end up saving yourself some big money. And, of course, presented by Fox Racing, Fox Racing Official Gear, Ryan Dungey, Ken Roxon, Brock Tickle, the global innovation leader for motocross racewear, continuing the relentless pursuit to innovate and elevate Check out the Instinct Boot, the V4 Helmet, the Airspace Performance Goggle, and 360 Racewear to fit adult and youth riders alike. For more information on Fox Gear, visit foxhead.com or visit your local authorized Fox dealer. Thanks to BTOsports.com and Fox Racing for, uh, for coming on these podcasts. We, uh, we, we love to do them, and we love the uh, listens we're getting, and we're going to keep on keeping on. All right, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line, two-time German Supercross champion, two-time Montreal Supercross champion, Former top privateer in the sport, the Iron Man of Supercross, as Art Ekman calls him, the Jason Thomas. Yes, sir. If you were running into Art Ekman, would you uh, would you and Art be able to you know share a little bond? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, as long as uh, you know, Art's got to be getting up there now nowadays. Yeah. But, um, I feel like like to see him. I feel like Art was a fan of yours. I really do. Yeah, for sure. I think it gave him something to talk about. You know, which I think is. Uh, those guys when they do so many races and you know i think they look for interesting things or things that people don't always know so i think it gave him a little bit of something to talk about so yeah. but yeah i mean i definitely benefited from it no doubt and also on the line uh jt our boss the uh racerx online editor and uh the announcer for the uh lucas oil ama pro motocross series he should be warming up his pipes for his debut real soon jason wygant That sounds like that sounds like us during the main event last night. <laughs> yeah, those warming up my pipes, but it's dangerously close to a yawn. Yeah, it was. Uh, re- uh, the heat race started off good, and like the track looked good, but a little bit of a yawner. I, I we at one point you were booking flights. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> you should have been booking your flight out of there for that night because pretty much the racing was over by about lap two. Man. It was tough, like, geez, the top, okay, Tomac fell, and Stu got, but a couple guys got short, but geez, the top ten was pretty settled right away. We're just kind of, weeds. we're kind of running into the, I don't know, the dog days of Supercross, but injuries are starting to mount, 
Uh, and then we had Weston. We had Weston Pike, Josh Grant, Josh Hill, Dungey, all go down on the first turn. A Dunge got up. The other two guys, you know, Hill was pretty far back, and the other two guys didn't even finish. So, you know, again, those are the guys that could get in the top ten and mix it up. But I think that and the injuries just combined to make a so-so race. Yeah, but I think it's also the 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 thing that makes every season tough, which is when the year begins, riders don't know where they stand. They don't know where they match up. So they'll mix it up, and once you get 14 rounds deep, uh, everyone's a little more established in their group. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it wasn't just Villapoto killing everybody. There weren't battles from second through eighth or something either. Um, but it's a lot of the dudes. If you were at Anaheim one, a lot of the guys in second through eighth, you wouldn't know where they would measure up to each other. But now you're like, okay, on this night, Barsha a little better than Roxon, and Roxon is a little better than Canard, et cetera, et cetera. That doesn't happen at the beginning of the year. That only happens toward the end, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's just the it's a long series, and uh, this I mean a lot of it's decided right now. We can try to get the hype going for the battle for sixth, but uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The ride- well, there's a lot of guys out too. You look at you know all the riders that are injured: Weimer and Braden and Reed. And on you know what I mean, so yeah. a lot of guys that are capable of getting in there and mixing it up and making it exciting are, are out. You know, it's just getting thin. The uh, yeah, Brayton uh, Weege uh, came in after a great ride in St. Louis. Uh, comes into uh, Houston and uh, crashes hard in one practice, limps off. Next practice comes up, crashes hard again, breaks his hand, cracks his hand a little bit. Finally, calls it a day. So, yeah, we saw him in the uh, truck. You and I went over there after the practice where he hurt himself, and he has the boxer's fracture on his hand, which I think is something some guys have ridden through before. Not that night when they break it, but, you know, he could probably go week to week with that injury. But I have to wonder, do you think it's a coincidence that he comes in riding with a broken foot and then it's just pile-driving himself over and over? Like, I've got to think that it's you're riding weird, you're not riding during the week, all these things are compounding, and then yeah. you make in one of the rougher whoop sections of the year, big shocker, you make a mistake because of all these problems you're already dealing with. Yeah, the uh, no, yeah, not riding during the week. You know, you're not as sharp, you're not as confident, or whatever. Yeah, it was. Those whoops are terrible. Well, you're you're riding with a broken too, foot, right? they hurt you're, again. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, you come. I think you compensate a little bit. Like your your technique sometimes changes, and then that that leads into other mistakes and things kind of happen that you don't plan on happening because you're not riding how you normally would ride. So I think we maybe on something there. I, uh, the track looked pretty good, JT. It was slick, though. It had its slick spots. Everybody said that uh, after the night. And uh, the whoops were built on purpose with close together and then further apart in the middle and then close together. Trey Kennard told me that he, he asked the Dirtworks guys about it, and they said, yeah, we knew that they would break down really bad, so what we wanted to do was give you guys an option to try to jump. And Kennard's like, I really just want the same distance from each to each whoop. <laughs> if, if you know, if I had to choose, you know, I understand what you guys are trying to do, but either we jump through them, or we don't blitz and then stop and then jump, like you know. They were, so. they reminded me of the whoops in Salt Lake in 2011. I don't know if you remember this when Michael Rocco Senior told uh, Ryan Villapoto and Chad Reed that they need to learn how to ride whoops. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yes, yes, I remember that story. Right, yes, very much. So, uh, uh, yeah, a very humorous moment in my life. Was that, was that uh, the same? But they were kind of like that, like odd spacings, which creates problems. Always. Was that the same race where Chad said on the podium, uh, we wondered if the guy was drinking? Yes. Yeah. Exactly yeah. the same. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a weird deal, and there was a lot of guys that crashed. Man, we had a, a just maybe not as much as Dallas Weege, but a lot of guys went down. It was it was nuts. 
Yeah, and you know, the difference is, yeah, it wasn't as many as Dallas, but Dallas, you're like, what are you going to do? The dirt's hard and slick, it's slippery, what are you going to do? But here, it was totally on, if the track had been designed or, or put together a different way, that wouldn't have happened. I don't think they had any control over it in Dallas, but here they kind of created their own problems with some of the, um, that, the whoops, and then that rhythm section caught a lot of people off, I think, because for one, to get it right was hard, and even if you did get it right, you were going really fast because you're going, what, triple, triple, double down an entire lane? Yeah. Um, so the consequences were, were pretty big if you, if you messed it up, especially that it was the first section off the start. Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit of a weird night. All right, let's get let's get into it. Uh, RV just, uh, JT just crushed him, just stamped it. He put his foot down, showed everybody what was up. He, he said uh, in the heat race he went down at the end of the whoops, and uh, he told me he hurt his shoulder. It did not hurt his head. Uh, I beg to differ. Um, I agree. I agree with you. <laughs> uh, I beg to differ, but uh, I don't know. Maybe you just don't. If you're a rider, maybe do you just not want to say that? Is that it, JT? Well, I, I think with the, the concussion protocols and stuff, guys are really hesitant to. You know, I'm not saying that's a good idea, but I, I think that's the reality of it. Right. Right. If, I think if they're they think they're okay, and they they just don't want to mention it, just because it goes down a road where. It gets complicated, and I, don't, I think they try to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, so we love to talk and praise this Asterix Meta crew and these uh, the concussion tests that you take, and, and rightfully so. It's all really cool, but it only works as good as if you do go and seek help when you hit your head. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm all for everything about it. I just think that it's it's created a an issue where they're scared. Like, riders are scared if they're on that borderline of being okay or not okay, they're scared to bring it up. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's uh, definitely a little weird for sure. But uh, I mean, anyways, in the he so he comes out in the semi, rides great, and then in the main event, once he got the whole shot, I think a little bit, a little bit of it was him wanting to make a statement, JT. But also, I think the dirt suited him well, even with the slickness and the hard spots. There were some ruts out there. Uh, yeah, he looked great though. Once he got on that, main, I mean, even in the heat race before he crashed, he looked really strong. Like he passed Hill. I thought pretty easily, and Hill had pretty much gapped everyone else. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, he just made that one mistake, but he kind of made weird mistakes all day. So mm-hmm. um, he, you could kind of say he he didn't look that sharp all day, but then in the main event it was just like he, you know, focused and, and yeah. it was wiped out. I mean, it was one of the most dominating rides of the season. Um, and Stu, Weed, Stu was sick, pretty obvious all day long. Wasn't himself. Yeah, and it – one of those weird things that really that's all it takes. We can come up with a million theories of the track or the time of year and guys being hurt. And those things are probably valid, but you know, if Stu wasn't sick, we could have had an epic RV and Stu battle and we'd be talking about how awesome the race was and how awesome the track was. And this is the way it needs to be every weekend. Just because of that, it could, if you have a good battle for the lead, you could have boringness from third through 10th and no one would care. Yeah. yeah. That might be part of the issue here tonight. The, uh, um, the quad JT was pretty quick. It was pretty fast. Yeah, it, it was, and I'm, I'm still a little confused by some of the guys that didn't jump it because, honestly, the guys that were jumping it, I never really saw anyone have a, a sketchy moment there. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seemed like commitment, and then if, as long as you did the things that you were supposed to do, like downside of the uh, jump over tabletop and then went for it, it, it was it seemed pretty easy. I mean, it's easy for me to say that from the press box, but it really did look that way. It's official, Weege. JT has become one of those guys. It's official. Oh, that's you mean? Yeah, yeah, one of those guys from the press box saying, ah, just quad, just quad out, bro. Look, you, 
can you agree that the guys that were doing it made it look very simple? Oh, they were even hitting their back brake in the air to come back down and stuff, you know? Yeah. It just like, didn't look like, oh, man, is he going to try to get a next lap type jump? You know, right. it was just like, okay, yeah, jump that, no problem. Well, do that every lap. JT, thank God they came up with that. And maybe that was the track designer's original plan, but they had sort of rounded off the tabletop on one side and made it a jump off on the other, and clearly the jump off was faster, and it was – a, a joke to try to riders to try to get over to the left side to jump off. But thankfully the quad came into effect where it gave some guys some option. Yeah, it did. Um, you know, we didn't see a ton of passing there for, for some reason. Uh, but we, you know, it definitely mm-hmm. was an option that at least both guys were, you know, there were certain guys taking advantage of both sides, which yeah. just so many times with these option lanes, it just turns into one line and everybody goes on the one side and it makes for a super narrow track. Yeah. The split lane this week didn't work either. So, on the, in, the inside there, at the end of the lane. Yeah. yeah. Some guys were using it in the heat I race. I thought it was it was decent. I'm just not sure if the line went away in the main events, but, you know, Dino was trying it quite a bit at the end of his main event, and, and it was clearly slower. So, mm. um, Weege, I told you. I told you Barsha would be pushing RV. I mean, can I finally get some credit here? Three straight podiums for Bam Bam. Um, can you explain the pushing RV part, though, still? <laughs> no, I cannot. Matt, I cannot. Can you show me some evidence of pushing? Uh, I, I think he shoved... impressive. I mean, yeah, I don't want to make fun of Barcher. He's obviously riding way, way, way better than it was at the beginning of the year, and probably, this is probably what you'd expect. Like, if you had said at the beginning of the season, Barcher's going to get a bunch of podiums, but RV's still going to have them fairly well covered, I don't think anyone would be like, what? Yeah, yeah. What... I mean, it's the three-time defending champ, but otherwise he's riding awesome. Why do you think Barsha's riding better? You know what's really weird to me? No. He, he really he missed, um, he missed Atlanta and then missed two races after that, one race after that. Uh, he, well, he uh, missed two races. He crashed out Atlanta, like, and then he missed Indy. Yeah, and then missed yeah, Indy. Right. right, and then raced Daytona. It's like he needed a little – since then, he had a couple of – like he had a race to – Daytona, I think he was doing okay. Um, Detroit wasn't great. But really, since then, he's been a lot better. I don't know if they were about to turn the corner, if it was moving from the west to the east or something like that, but the timing is very curious. Um, but he's – do you? I don't do, know. He's going to say starts are better, and that's – I don't know. Yeah, the starts are better, but he's riding way better too. Do you think, like, he comes back, Mookie – tries to feed him his front tire and roost on him. And then in, in, in Detroit, him and Shorty get into an epic, bu- uh, you know, break. I'm going to break your tip fib. No, I am. Do you think that just gets him going? I guess I'm excited and he just steps it up. He's just like, yeah, this is fun. Uh, nope. Oh, okay. Nope. All right. I, I think, I don't think with Barsha effort and desire and coming into the race fired up is ever the, the problem. Um, I think he's always got that. Sometimes I think if he's not going fast, he tries harder, which actually makes him go slower. So I don't think ever the problem is like he wasn't fired up at one point and now he <clears throat> is. I don't think that's the issue with him. What do you think, JT? Why do you think he's riding better? I don't know. I think maybe they got the bike sorted out a little bit. I haven't heard him him complain or or say one word about the bike in weeks. So it's it's funny to me that he hasn't said a word about the bikes and his results have improved quite a bit. So that that's what I would look at. First is maybe they found a setting that he's more comfortable with, changed a few things around. That That's probably the most likely scenario in my mind. Mm. Yeah, yeah, maybe so, huh? Uh, well, he was just so off. He was getting so outspoken there for a while that 
you know, they were just way off on the bike and settings and whatever, and you could just see it. You could see the frustration in his face and his interviews, and I just haven't seen that. You know, I yeah. know that results fix a lot of problems. Good results fix a lot of problems, but it just seems like that both of those have, have correlated in a way that makes me think they found something. Uh, we, uh, Roxon only has, uh, Roxon only has two podiums in the last six races, but if his season ended right now, it's been a great, uh, successful season for Ken Roxon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that he was challenging for the title. So at that point, if he didn't do anything after Atlanta whatsoever, like if he got hurt the week after, it'd be a successful season. It's all gravy at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It almost doesn't matter what he does at this point. He's over-delivered for sure. You uh, you finally spoke to someone about my nets? Weech. Would you like yeah, to? Yeah, true journalist. I went to some sources. Mm-hmm. And um, should I explain their uh, the defense? Yeah, no, go ahead because I, you know, and then also explain that, you know, you talked to another rider about it. Yeah, yeah, I went to Dave Prater, who kind of runs the show. I said, uh, is it possible to put nets up to catch motorcycles? And he said it is. And I'm like, no, don't say that it is. Don't say that it is. I've been saying that it's not possible because otherwise you would do it. And he's like, no, it's possible to build nets. But he's like, here's what happened. Seattle, a bunch of years ago, Chad Reed got plowed over a berm. He got up, he came back. He still got a good finish. He salvaged a bunch of points. And we know if there's nets, the bikes are going to get stuck on them or bounce off and fall down and it's going to bend handlebars and break levers and it's going to cost somebody a championship. Just ridiculous. I, complain. I love Prater, but that's ridiculous. That's yeah. ridiculous. He said, we're working on something else. Working on something else. Um, and I said, well, what is it? He didn't want to let on too much. But if you folks look very carefully over the highest point of the biggest berms on the track, there's not one but two tough blocks piled up on top of each other, mm-hmm. which is a system they are working on to use tough blocks positioned in such a way that it will stop the motorcycle from going off. They have big walls apparently built in Arena Cross to prevent that from happening. They're afraid that it will block the fans' view. You can't make a 20-foot-high wall over a berm, but mm-hmm. some compromise in there. But the funniest part about this is Chad Reed was used as the example of why you could not have a net. Yes. So then Chad Reed was at the race. Chad Reed thought that was completely ridiculous. He would have been all for it, <laughs> even then. Well... I mean, it's not like, I don't understand, like, if your bike is flying off a berm f- high enough that it's going to go into the crowd or close to yep. it, and a yep. net stops it, if the, yep. and, and it does fall down and hurt, breaks your clutch lever because of the net, but it's high enough it's going to fall onto the concrete anyways if there was no net or the fans or whatever, and your bike will break anyways. Like, either way, if you're launching off the berm, you're probably going to have some issues with your motorcycle. Either way, net or no net. I said, don't you deserve at that point, like, if your bike breaks, don't you deserve that penalty because you crashed and went flying off a berm? But, you know, how teams are, uh, they're probably not going to see it that way. No. Uh, We can put stupid nets up. We can build build big old berms like we used to have. And the one rider in 40 years that launches into the stands, and again... I understand having it, because if it happened again, any good lawyer will be like, well, it happened in Indianapolis, and they, they did nothing. They're super liable. I understand. You have to protect against the second time that happens, but I like my odds that we'll be okay. 
I like it. So, yeah, the Nets. The Nets can be done. I could just picture the meetings when they're, like, planning on going to court and being sued for hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. But Mathis said we had the odds on our side. This would have never happened. Look. Mathis said we have, I had the odds on our side. Okay. Yeah. No. I, I mean, you got the Nets. Put the nets up. You, yep. you'll, you'll catch it. It's not Spider-Man's web. The bike won't stick up there. You know what I mean? He added a couple of other good points, as he always does. He said, I don't care if it's a chain-link fence. You know what I mean? He's like, that, it sounds horrible to hear a chain-link fence, but once you get past the name of how bad that sounds, you think <laughs> of how it would actually work, it wouldn't be bad at all. And if you get pushed off the track in a chain-link fence, you're, you know, again, you're really not talking about people going off the track at 50 miles an hour. No. You know? No, yeah, and he's like chain link fence. He's like, if you go into it, you know that's that's part of the. You went off the track. You know well, that's exactly it. I mean, yeah, disaster. Don't go off the track. You made a mistake. You crashed. And his other point was, I think uh, I don't know how many people listening to this show saw that there was a clip of Davalos going over a berm on the inside of the track last week. Mm-hmm. Head-on collision. Well, in Toronto and Phoenix, he flew under the staging area. Um, there's been a yeah. few Martin Davalos over the berms. Uh, Chad said he's like. Isn't it interesting that there was a head-on collision with another rider, and they're like, oh, well, but if there's, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that's fine. Um, I don't know, man. I just, yeah, like, let's do it. Let's get the nets going. Let's start building it. I'm going to start a net company, see if I can sub subcontract it to those guys. So, I don't know. Um, but good job asking, Weege. Yeah, good job following that up. Your journalists do. Um, so, uh, JT, uh, Fly Racing's Trey Kennard, um, five four in his two races, back from injury. What? What are you? You happy? Is that good? No, I think he's he's doing well. Uh, I think he's building. You know, he's on a on a a path to be you know fighting for a podium here soon. I think he was a little frustrated that Roxon got away from him this weekend, but I think it's coming back to him. You know, I, the main thing is just staying in the race, staying off the ground, staying in the races, and and progress. Uh, as these series, you know, as the series continues, and then he gets to start over, you know, basically on a level playing field come uh, come summertime. Yeah, yeah, it should be interesting to see how he can do outdoors. I hope he just, you know, I would say, I hope he stays healthy. But um, you know, if I was him, I'd be motoring down right now. Just forget it. No, I'm sure he is. Yeah, I mean, obviously, at this point, the Supercross thing's a wash. He's just trying to do the best he can. But you know, come uh, May 24th, it's, it's yeah zero points for everyone. Oh, thanks, thanks for that. Um, okay, so, sorry, I didn't, I didn't uh, know we were trying to do groundbreaking news here. Uh, Shorts race, BTO Sports KTM, Andrew Short. Uh, I mean, oh, by the way, we Brayton's top 10 streak, now broken, now shattered. So we now just have one rider. Nope, and every race Brayton has entered, he's in the top 10. <laughs> well, he did enter. He, he entered, he entered. He entered, yeah. They got us 225 bucks. Yeah. Uh, he, he was not participating in the night program. I no, no one's going to notice that years from now. No, um, no. Uh, Andrew Short, but getting back to him, he uh, he struggled in the whoops a bit. A sixth place, not bad. He got eaten up by Stewart and Tomac, and Tomac then crashed again, but to knock himself back a little bit. But uh, I thought Shorty struggled a little bit. I saw a couple of laps by Andrew. I happened to be watching him. He was just casing things. Like he came up short almost every jump on the track. He just had a couple of bad laps, and then those whoops got him. I mean, the whoops got everybody. They were tough, but Andrew in particular, 
his sixth is better on paper than I think what it was when you watched him ride, JT. I thought he looked all right. I thought I I did see him make some mistakes, but I didn't think it was that at all. I thought he was pretty solid. Um, I think if you watched most of the guys, they were kind of making mistakes here and there. Mm, my stand- yeah, he he did have a rough few laps there, but overall, he he was got a good start. He ran you know top five for a while, top six. He was he was kind of in that mix. Uh, Stewart finally got him. I thought I thought he actually rode pretty decent. I guess I just have a different you know level of excellence than you. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I don't think he was, you know, it was the greatest race of his life or anything, but yeah. I thought it was fine. He, he rode solid. Um, I didn't watch the race yet. I was working on my 1990 Cowie 250 and uh, hanging out with my beautiful wife, so I've not watched the race. The first turn crash, uh, Pike, Grant, Dungey, and Hill. Uh, Hill. Hill was by himself, right? Is that... Hill crashed. Uh, he hit the hay bales on the very inside. Still going straight, like he was trying to yeah. hug the very inside before he even turned, and he clipped the hay bales and crashed pretty spectacularly. And then, okay, so what happened after that? Whose fault was that? Because Josh Grant's wife went on Twitter, had a few words for Weston, and I didn't see it. But um, yeah, I, I don't condone any of that, obviously. But being in all fairness, you know, we all know I, lo- I love Weston, and he's a fly racing rider and all that stuff. But it, it was his fault. It was um, okay. Yeah, he he got into the side of Dungey. Like he he kind of went left for whatever reason. I'm not sure if he if he just bounced left or cross right or whatever. But he went left into Dungey, took Dungey down. Then that uh, kind of chain reacted into him going back right and landing on the back of Josh Grant and knocking both of them down. So oh, okay. it really was Weston's fault at 100% on both both sides of it with Dungey and Josh Grant. is just, you know, unfortunate. Yeah. I'm sure he didn't mean to. Of but course was, not, yeah. You, know, just... you, have to, you have to put blame somewhere. It was on him for sure. Like the time where Stewart uh, tore your knee up. I mean, you know, basically it's kind of like your fault a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. you got to put blame somewhere. Yeah. Not like anybody meant to do it or whatever. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Weege, Hill, Hill won the heat, and great job by him. But that gate pick, I didn't like it, and I will be writing about that. He was too far inside. Too far inside. Are you scared of that? What's that? You're, are you threatening him? No. I will be writing about that. <laughs> no, I, I, I do not think Josh Hill really cares at all about what Weege, I write. Weege, I tried to tell you this before the gate dropped. JT did say, too far to the inside. No, too far. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to wonder, it's going to sound ridiculous, but when was the last time, I guess he won a heat race last year. Minneapolis, right? So Minneapolis? Yep, Josh, unfortunately, year. with all the rough years he's had, um, I don't think he has much practice getting one of the first gate picks in the main. Or honestly, he hasn't been on fire and qualifying much this year. So I wonder if that was a factor. Um, like, normally he's just stuck taking what's left, right? Right. Like, ninth pick, tenth pick. I wonder if wonder if he had to do it over again, if he would do it over again. I wonder if he had to do it over again, he'd do it over again? Yeah, or if he would pick yeah. another gate. Yeah. No, yeah, it was still. Hey, so, I mean, do you think, JT, is there any way Hill keeps his ride over there at RCH? We're, we're all pretty sure Roxon's going. Um, there's another spot open. I would think before Tickle's injury that he was fitting in a, in a, into a nice slot there to have that, other, that, that second spot. Do you think there's any way that Hill stays there, or where does Hill go from here? Like, what has he shown? I think he goes to Seattle first, but then um, let's see after that. But I do think he has a chance. I just think he's going to have to wait. He's going to 
he's going to be in this waiting game of RCH is going to go after the guys. You know, there's been a lot of rumors about them uh, signing a signing a, a certain German rider. Um, we'll we'll see if that happens or has happened or whatever. But I think they probably have a list of guys that are very high on their priority list to get signed. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he'll fit on that list somewhere. I just don't think he's right at the top of it. So he's going to have to wait around. If that's the ride he wants and he wants to stay there, then my opinion, and I'm just, you know, I'm purely speculating, is that he'll have to wait a bit. And if things go his way and the kind of the cards fall at the way they had the past few years and they have that spot for him, then he'll end up there again. You got, if you're a team manager and you got Hill, Tickle, and Weimer, who are all going to be looking for rides, who do you hire? Well, I think the money is, is a big factor, and I think that Hill, it would be a lot cheaper than either of the two other two. So I would choose Weimer and Tickle first, but I, it just depends on how mm-hmm. much money you want to spend, really. Mm-hmm. I think that's your determining factor. If, if you're just purely, the money is, is no object, then you pick, you probably pick Tickle first, honestly, as long as he is 100%. I think I uh, pick Weimer. I think I pick Weimer. I would pick Tickle. Tickle was really, really solid. Um, Weimer, I love Jake. He's an awesome guy, but he hasn't done too much lately. And Tickle's kind of been their guy for the last couple of years now. And, and he, I think he, I think he earned another shot. I, mm-hmm. I think he really earned his spot with the last, you know, probably six weeks of being on the team. Right, right. That's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, I don't know the economic side either, which is always a huge factor in sport. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Weege, uh, Alessi got eighth, Tomac ninth, Blos tenth, season high best for Blos. He was out of a rental car. Uh, he was good all day. Ninth five fastest in qualifying, Weege. Yeah, he was, and I will give credit to JT again. 68 was up in fifth for a while. In, um, was it the last practice? One of the practices. Yeah. Um, he was fifth in qualifying at one point. That was really good. Yeah, he was just good all day. I don't know what it was, but there were certain riders that were really shining, um, it was unfortunate that he had that first turn crash because he was obviously riding better than he had all year, qualifying and then winning the heat race. Um, I think Grant was the same thing. He got wiped out too, uh, and and Blos was definitely better. So I don't know if it was the track working for these guys or what, but they could they definitely seem like a notch above where they had been. Although I think Blos was a lot better last weekend. Like he was kind of on a roll. I think right last weekend was one of his best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this weekend was another notch better. So maybe he's figured something out or something. Or just some guys are getting hurt. Same with Nick Way. Nick Way's had two of the, his best season finishes last last two races, and I don't think it's a coincidence, right, JT? No, it, it's yeah. absolutely, yeah. I think they're riding good. It's not, it's not that they're riding poorly, but, of course, when you start eliminating guys that, you know, maybe people would consider better than them, you know, guys like Justin Braden who have consistently finished ahead of them, you take the, start taking guys out, it's, it's simple math that they're going to move up. Way was good at the end, Weege. You're still charging hard. Yeah, that was awesome because those whoops had turned into, I guess, like they had engineered them. They turned into a jumping, a rhythm lane uh, late in the race, especially for a lot of guys when they retired and there wasn't anyone close to them and there was no reason to take a risk on the last two or three laps. But the last lap of the race, we watched Way blitz across those things about as solid as anyone had all day. Maybe not the fastest, but not a wheel wrong. Like, nailed those things. Yeah, he was going to far right side. 19th lap. Yeah, far right side. I think I think yeah, he wanted sure. blows for for top ten. Yeah. Pretty bad. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, that's what I've noticed the last couple of weeks out of way. Like when you 
when you watch him ride, you're like, that is a professional supercross racer. Like, if there's a difficult section or something gnarly, yeah, I got this. Right. This is, this is not a problem for me. Well, he's been doing it for a long time, too. It's it's kind of the same for me. You see, you've seen almost every adaptation of a section or whoops or every situation that they, they can come up with when you start talking about doing 200 races or something crazy, you know. It's just hard to surprise you at that point. Um. Yeah. Schmidt thirteenth, Gilmore fourteenth, Dakotas puts it in the main fifteenth. Ronnie Stewart, he of two sets of gear, sixteenth. Uh, Albertson seventeenth. Rough day for Top Jimmy, crashing in every race. I think, but the LCQ. Regal, Kyle Regal was back. JT. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was a little skeptical of him jumping on the four fifty after spending so much time on the two fifty the past few months, but. He, he rode great. You know, he had some sketchy moments, which I think we've seen from him. But, I, you know, I didn't really see any crashes or anything too crazy. And, and uh, did his bike break at the end of the race? Is that I don't right? know. I don't know. I did 10 laps. I don't know what happened. Yeah, yeah. His bike broke. That's, I was just making sure I wasn't crazy. But his bike broke. And before that, he was, he was riding well. I actually saw him moving up and passing people. So, it was good to see him back in the main event. I mean, yeah. this is a guy that, that you know, People were pegging for big things, and the wheels came off a little bit. So, cool to see him out there again. So, why again? Why again? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, sir. Um, I'm bad at math, but it's 45 points for Villa yeah. over over Stu. Yeah. This weekend's his hometown race. So, if he goes yeah. one and Stu goes two, and I know you love that, he will not clinch. But uh, – Anything else? Any and well, no. Stu gets Stu gets third. He still doesn't clinch because Stu has more wins. Yeah, the tiebreaker wouldn't do it. Yeah, not this early. In but the does he do it? Does he clinch in Seattle? Um, uh, it, it's certainly possible. There's no doubt about it. But but I'm going to say no. I mean, I think I think at this point it's pretty obvious that Stu has ridden really well all year, and he just had dumb things happen here and there. Um, you know, he's had some tip-overs and crashes that he shouldn't have had, and this weekend it was sick. But I think, in balance, he's had more good races than bad. So I'm not going to predict two horrible races for him in a row, especially with the way the field is now. Stu would have to have some real problems to not get third. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even this weekend he wanted to finish fifth anyway, and it's probably about as, as bad as he's going to ride. Um, so just because of that, I'm not going to predict that he's going to have a, two bad races in a row. And right. also, if he wins in Seattle, Stu, we shouldn't be like, what? wow. Because that's how funny was. He won those two in a row early in the year. Then he had three bad races. And then when he came back and won again, it was like this big shocker. And it was like, yeah, but he's been riding good all year. He just didn't crash. Yeah. It's like this old James Stewart thing. All he does is not crash, and he's one of the favorites to win. Yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta crashes. Indy crashes. Daytona. Pulls in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, JT, I got to give you credit for that. I don't think you expected it to work out quite the way it did, but you said those three races right in the middle will be the most pivotal of the year, and holy crap, they were. That it, was the whole season. Yeah, we were thinking pivotal in a good way, though. Yeah, the other <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. 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 Um, that was it. That was the championship. So RV is going to be a four time, four in a row, Supercross champion. And there was a time in his career, Weege where he couldn't get a job done in Supercross. He was a three-time 250 outdoor title, and I think he, he's only won one 250 Supercross title out of three attempts. Now, he was injured in the other ones or whatever, came in late behind the eight ball, but still, he was 
a, a great outdoor rider, and then in the 250 class, it was like, eh, yeah, yeah, he hasn't gotten it done. And now the tables switch. Well, I mean, it, it's turned only because of injury, but he's now four-time, going to be four-time uh, Supercross champion to only two outdoor titles in the big bikes. Kind of weird, right? right? Yeah, it's getting harder and harder to, to this this all-time ranking thing is kind of the only thing left on his list, right? I don't think he's a really a numbers guy, so I don't think he has a specific number of wins or titles that he cares about. He's just going to try to do the best he can every year. Just the number of zeros in his bank account. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, he's not – as he always says, he doesn't care about winning three titles in a row or four titles in a row. It's just every year he wants to win the title. So if that means four years in a row, it means four years in a row. But it's not like he set out to, oh, there's a McGrath record I want to tie or beat. Mm-hmm. Whatever, like he's going to want to win five in a row next year. Why? Because he wants to win the title every year he races. It's not because he wants to beat McGrath. If McGrath had nine in a row, it wouldn't yeah. change the way he looks at it. Anyway, uh, he. So I feel like the only thing left. We know he's awesome. So it's like the only thing left is like you're waiting for the judgment of, okay, he's doing things that only one other rider has done. So now, where is he officially in the the Mount Rushmore of greats? It's uh, it's really hard to judge. I mean, dude, he's gonna potentially win the title with two races to spare, which he already has done before. He's done, yeah. Last year he was 16th at the opener, and he still won the title with a race to spare. And the only year it came down to the wire was the year he DNQ'd a main event. Like, it hasn't really even been close. No. And uh. in 2010, he was right in the thick of that thing, you know, and. Obviously, if you're Stuart Reed and Rick Johnson and telling other guys, you could be like, well, give me a what if, and I'll have another title for you as well. But the bottom line is he, he could be looking at five in a row right now because of that St. Louis race in 2010. Yeah. He's right in it. And he was ornery after this race. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He's very – I think he – I think he got – you know, he gets very tired of this, oh, Stu's faster, Stu's more wins, you're backing into it. I don't think he likes that. And did you, no, did you like I, my I breakdown call was, last week? Yeah. I don't know if he – I doubt it. I doubt he did. Yeah. I didn't hear, I didn't I hear any praise for that one like I did the week before. Right, right. <laughs> but. He wasn't happy. I was like, people were saying, oh, you're just going to – he's going to back it down. He's going to ride at 93. Who's saying that? Who says that? <laughs> Who's saying that? I'm like, people are saying Who? Who's saying that? And I'm like, just that's what people think in general. Right. He was not happy. Yeah. 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 This is uh this is uh championship championship management mode. Oh yes. Yeah. Quote unquote. Quote oh. Unquote. Seen a few guys do that over the years. Tell you what. Mm. Um. Usually short. Usually redheaded. Series starts at Daytona, boys. Series starts at Daytona. Um. Yeah. So. You want to move to two fifties? Do we have anything else? I really want to get that net conversation in there. Do we want to talk about Irv at all? No? I like Irv. Irv can't get Justin and Josh still straight? No? Okay. I thought I thought Irv had a great day. Really? Yeah. Huh. Some of the things you were saying, though, like and laughing about, it didn't seem like you did think that, but that's odd. But... Yeah. He's actually a pretty funny guy. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, we want to talk about the TV show right now. And, uh, like I know, uh, Chris Bond is the producer. He's the same guy that I work with outdoors. So I, I know his style, which is, you know, we, we try to show once you know, who's leading and things like that, you try to show the best battle on the track. So there's certain indicators of how exciting a race is. 
and they are showing lap after lap, way Schmidt battle for 10th. <laughs> yeah. No offense to those guys, but that's all you need to know about there are nine other guys on the track that are doing nothing. There's nothing. It's yeah. not like they came in and said, we got to get more Nick Schmidt coverage on this TV show. Yeah. Why they're, they're like, Way versus Schmidt is the only thing the, worth watching right now. The seven deuce deuce, just the interview didn't happen. Yeah, I tell you what, I tell you what, it's something that's that's interesting uh, that was going on in the main event. I just got a chance to watch it on TV a few minutes ago, but when you guys get to see it, watching Stewart just basically ride around um, behind Tomac, he wanted nothing to do with Tomac as far as racing, battling, anything. You could really see how how bad you know or how bad he was feeling or, or anything like that. Um, how sick he was. Yeah, I've just never seen him anything like it from Stu. Really, he, he just he had so many opportunities to pass Tomac back, and he would just not take it. You could literally see him check up and wait because he just didn't want to. He's like, he didn't go. get into a battle. He's throwing up in his helmet. Throwing up on. Them. I'm watching that literally right now. Yeah, he has. Tomac makes like two or three mistakes, and he has an open door, and he just kind of doesn't take it. <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't want it. You can literally see him just like, "Nah, I'm good. Go ahead, Eli. Yeah, go. I'm done." Uh, didn't ride the third practice, only rode a, probably half of the second one. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, def- set the best lap, and then uh, as soon as he saw that he was on top of the board, he headed to the truck. Yeah, that was it. Um, all right, anything else? Two four fifty wise. Uh, BTOsports.com, Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. Anything you need, BTOsports.com, including OEM parts now. Uh, check them out. Use the code PulpMX to save yourself money on checkout on selected items, and, of course, btosports.com. Just killing it with the tire prices. And Fox Racing, Fox, uh, the official gear, Ryan Dungey, Brock Tickle, Ken Roxon, among others, foxhead.com. What more can you say about those guys? And uh, listen to this commercial. Save yourself some money at Racetech using the code PulpMX14. Uh, you need suspension work. Trust me. I know you do. So listen to this code and uh, save yourself some big, big coin. BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Racetech suspension, and they've been around a long time, and their, their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people. At least uh, change your oil in your new bike and use Racetech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Thie, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Race tech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. And we're back on the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox. Um, 250 class. Well, Anderson, Weege, uh... Looks like, you know, the time off didn't hurt him at all, man. The guy was fast all day long. And whole shot the main event and took off. 
Yeah, it was good. You know, if you think about the season he's had, that was the first time he's had anything close to that. All the wins were those ridiculous come-from-behind wins, and not like he didn't ride well on those or they weren't hard-earned. But I do know from talking to Jeff Ward, one of his many coaches and trainers, earlier in the year, they were a little bit worried that he hadn't gotten, oddly enough, he was like battling for the title but hadn't had the experience of getting a good start and running all 15 laps in the lead. Yep. He hadn't done that yet. Mm-hmm. So I think they were a little worried that it was going to matter. But I'm telling you, it, it does not seem at all like this is, you know, the first time he's no. been in a title hunt or anything. He, Nothing seems to phase him at all, even weirdo things, penalties, bad starts, being second on the last lap. It's just whatever, dude. I'm cool. I'm too, uh, I'm too lazy to look it up right now. And I know he won a race before. But how many podiums does he have outside of that win? Like I think there were a handful last year, like was there that, two or three beyond. Was there that many, you think? Okay. Um, it, was, it wasn't a bad season last year. He's just, I thought he had, two, I thought he had two, uh, two or three last year. He's just really taking it. Like, he just looks so confident, so good, just smooth. Just, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Very like, poised. Yeah. I would have never, never expected this kind of poise from him. The jersey hanging out is still there, which gives you an ed- which gives you a look of like, hey, I got poise, but I'm also crazy. You know, it's like yeah, I got swag, yeah, I got swag and poise, and I got basically everything. Yeah, like jack of yeah. all, jack of all trades. Yeah, whatever you need, swag, poise, craziness, tucked in, whatever. Um, I guess it was a little closer at the end. Dino Dino rode well, but um, I still felt like Anderson kind of kind of had it. You know, he's kind of backing it down a little bit. But I mean, if you're a Dean Wilson fan and JT, you are. Uh, you'll take that ride. You'll take it. Yeah, I was with Dean after the race for a while, um, and he said that his shoulder was really bothering him uh, early. Uh, they had tried to do as many things as they could to kind of loosen him up, but he said it was still super tight at the beginning. And then he said he got uh, he got warmed up as the race went on, and his shoulder kind of loosened as well, and he started being able to push more. And, and I, I don't know if you noticed, but, uh, you know, Justin Hill was all over him uh, at the beginning. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he just said he didn't he didn't feel good. Like he was worried about his shoulder instead of going fast. And finally, the pain kind of subsided, and he got a little bit more into what he was doing. And then he, he felt like he kind of started putting some laps together. And I think he was a little bummed out at the end because he he made a you know he kept going to that inside at the end in the in the lane that um, split lane. The split lane, yeah. Yeah, and he's a little bummed out that he did that. He, he said he if he had maybe gone outside and and tried to just run it in there in one of the bowl turns, um, he would have had a shot at it. But I think he was – he was. I don't want to say he was happy with the ride because he definitely wasn't, but you kind of have to keep it in perspective. He's had a lot worse rides than that this year. Well, that's just it. I mean, a guy like Dean with his talent and his speed, maybe you know he should be winning every time he goes out. But, I mean, yeah, you can't – you'll take this for sure. Yeah, I think in a, a really critical time as far as uh, – teams and and rides and all that kind of stuff i think he put in a really solid ride something that he can be like look i you know i i can ride without getting arm pump i can run up front i can chase down the leader all those things so yeah yeah definitely wasn't the worst ride he could have put in yeah what do you think of dean's ride weech yeah same thing there were some races earlier in the year when he started getting on track we know that it was all panic button the first couple rounds but uh, that first race he won way back man i can't remember what that would have been now anaheim Two, three, something like that. Uh, I think it was um, three. Or, uh, yeah, it was the weekend after Oakland. Okay, yeah. Remember how he was – I mean, in practice, it was ridiculous. It was like he should have been in a different class. He was so much faster. And we were all like, he's going to win the main. And then in the main, like he was just 
Sealy was just handling him for like the first seven laps, and then it was like Dean put in a charge, like he purposely held back or something early and kind of managed to pace, and then eventually, with two or three laps to go, got right back in it, and then put some pressure on Sealy, made a mistake. It seemed almost like that. I didn't realize maybe it was the shoulder factor too, but it almost seems like for some reason he's running a little different style of. I know I'm fast enough to catch a guy if I let him get out two or three seconds, so I'm just going to work on this. That's, it seemed like a very similar race to, to what we saw back in Anaheim 3 when he won before. Interesting, uh, Weech, before the, the day started, uh, Adam Cincerillo, uh shoulder operation out, out for three to four months. We were talking to Mrs. Robbie Renard, Ashley Phillips. Robbie Renard, Team Green youngster whose career was derailed by uh, 18 shoulder operations. Maybe 180. Maybe I'm missing a number, a digit in there. But uh, looks like they kind of had something in common, and, and they've, they've, they've perhaps stopped Adam from having future issues because of the legacy of Robbie Renard. Well, we all theorized about that, but what was cool, it wasn't just theory. She says that Robbie called Mitch and said, this is what happened to me. Uh, don't let it happen to him. It took, the, awesome. it took the fifth surgery from Robbie – before a doctor was like, oh, you're born with a smaller, I don't know, the shoulder socket than you should have for your shoulder, and let me add on to your socket here and make it so that the shoulder doesn't fall out as easy. It's just something that he was yeah. born with, but the, he didn't catch it until the fifth doctor, the fifth operation. And he's been good ever since. Now, of course, it was too late for Robbie, but... But uh, it looks like the same thing happened to Adam, and they they went in and, you know, one Team Green. I don't know if Robbie was a failed Team Green kid. Would he, would he be a failed Team Green? He had a pretty good career. I don't think so. The guy won Supercrosses Nationals. I mean, I don't, I don't think so at all. He was a factory rider for a long, long time. Okay, yeah, yeah. Just maybe never reached the heights that people thought. Did he ever win a Supercross, though? Oh, yeah. I think he did. One, 125 Supercross? Yep. Okay. Um. Uh, but anyway, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, so that's something that they yeah, that's cool. Yeah, kind of figured out with Adam. Um, uh, Seeley's race uh, first lap collided with somebody, lost his rear brakes, uh, and they slowly slowly went away the rest of the night. So we kind of wondered what was going on with Seeley, and uh, you know he basically got fourth and kind of rode around. But bummer deal for him, uh, Weech. Yeah, that that's going to hurt, especially again the way the way Anderson has been going. Um, obviously anything can happen in racing. You know me, I'm not going to start counting points and saying, well, he'll just finish here and he'll just finish here. But at this point, he's going to need something disastrous to happen to to Anderson. You know, not get hurt, but he's going to need him to have a first-turn crash and, and struggle to... Because I would think Anderson, the way he's riding, he could probably pull out a decent, like a podium, uh, if things go even halfway decent. So now he's going to have to win and, and hope that uh, Anderson makes a mistake. You know, with yeah. 11 points now, two races ago. Seattle's a hometown race. For uh, Anderson? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, I'm just saying, it would be, for example, it would be two wins and two-thirds wouldn't even get it done. And even that seems like it would be difficult to even envision that. So it'd be more like he needs one-eighth or one-twelfth or one-something really bad. I, I would be fitting Anderson for the crown and coming up with an Anderson championship song and all of that if it wasn't JT, it wasn't for uh, Seattle this weekend, the all-unpredictable all Seattle. 
Yeah, anything can happen. I mean, they're they're already saying what a fifty percent chance of rain or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're obviously a ways out, and Seattle's really unpredictable. But it is Seattle, and you can almost count on rain at some point of the weekend. Yeah, whether it's going to be on Friday or Saturday or during the race or before, or it's just going to rain at some point. And we've seen Sealy kill it in Seattle before. Have we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I was actually going to ask um, what his track record was there, but. Uh, he really needs a big swing is what it comes down to, regardless of weather or crashes or bike braking or something. He needs something at this point because He's, the way Anderson's riding, I just don't see it happening. He needs a swing like a mid-'90s motocross uh, party? Various, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and Anderson, uh, New Mexico, probably not that good in the mud, probably not that good in the ruts. Weege, I, I, like I said, I, I I don't know if I'm ready to totally say this thing is over yet. Seattle is not. Seattle can be its own beast. No, it's a great point, and I think what we're all saying here is it's not just going to happen straight up under normal circumstances. Something weird is going to have to happen. Like I, I don't see Anderson just getting two fourths for some strange reason, just not riding well enough to get yeah two thirds, and Sealy blowing everybody away. Like that just seems like a weird scenario. But first turn crash in the mud and having a horrible race and getting twelfth. Right? Absolutely possible. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yep. Uh, JT, if you're Tyler Keith, the TLD manager, do you, do you get Mookie to move over? Two points. Uh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I, I definitely think that it had to cross their mind. Uh, I know we were kind of all wondering that in the press box, and you just hope you hope for if you're Sealy that that doesn't come back to to haunt you. Um, the, the team tactic thing is such a touchy subject. And yeah. Some people are like, hey, whatever it takes, that's why you're on a team, you know. Yeah. And other people are just like, no, it's it's every man for himself. You can't, you know, lay mm-hmm. up or do things like that. Like, it's a team, but you're, it's an individual sport. So I, I see I see both sides of it. I can't really argue either side of it, and I know that's waffling really bad, but I don't know that there's a clear-cut answer on it. What do you think, Weech? Yeah, I didn't expect it to happen because, remember, it didn't happen – there were accused of team tactics when Mookie ran into um, Anderson, which I thought was ridiculous, and, uh, and I'm three. And then in San Diego, Mookie, the exact same thing happened. It's a third and fourth place finish. So I feel like it's well established that they're not doing anything. They're, mm-hmm. The Mookie thing, he did not take out Anderson. That's ridiculous uh, on purpose because it was a teammate battling for the title. And he already didn't move over for Sealy in the previous West race. So. Yeah. It's just not the way they're going to do it. I think the team tactic thing is often something that doesn't happen a lot, but people like us and other people that have seven days between races to bench race, you can come up with these scenarios. <laughs> right. I mean, the best example ever is Porcel and Kennard in Pala a few years ago, and there were all these theories of, oh, Wilson and Rattray, and how are they going to play into it? And Dean just won both motos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there wasn't even a thought of moving over or whereas Porcel didn't even matter to them at all. Yeah. Just ride your own race. It seems to happen more often, but we like to speculate, and sometimes we make stuff up that never really materializes. Uh, Mookie's coming around, though. If he stays down in that class, which I don't know if he is, but if he stays down, he could be a title favorite next year. You guys agree? Yeah, hard to bet against him. I mean, he's riding, he's I mean, riding well. I mean, he. I, I didn't know at the time that Sealy had issues, but... Yeah, leaving leaving the race, I was kind of like, well, he just beat Sealy straight up. You know, I, I know we know yeah, better yeah. now, but right. still, he's riding well. He's in that, and and those guys that are he's racing with or that are beating him are going to move up. So, 
Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, he's got to be in the in the talk. Uh, Osborne fifth. Cooper Webb sixth. McElrath Canada had a good race because I think he came from the back a little bit. And Justin Hill crashed again on the last lap. Hill was on it all day. Just uh, the whoops got him, Weech. Yeah, I, was t- I talked to him and uh, his dad after the race. I mean, it was really strange how it worked. After qualifying, you could have really made an argument that it was going to be a huge night for the Hills because it really looked like – I mean, Justin obviously is a contender. He won the last time these guys raced. So, you know, a win from him or a podium is certainly, at this point, realistic any weekend. And Josh is riding the best yet all year, and I'm like, man, they could really have something going tonight. And in the end, it ended up being a terrible night for both. So it just shows how weird racing can be. I mean, they rode probably as good as they've ridden all year, and the results were um, awful. He pretty much told me once he had that first crash, he had wasted so much energy getting up and was charging so hard to stay with Dean that he was pretty much done after that. Mm-hmm. And then that's not a good track to try to stay upright on Yep. when you're riding like that. Yeah, good ride for Canada, though, to get eighth. Um, you know, we have the uh, the all-important uh, battle for 10th in the points. Uh, Dean Ferris is out. He's 10th right now, 63. So which privateer hero can get 10th? Lieb is 11th in 59. Canada's tied with him in 12th. Uh, I don't think I'd call Dakota Tedder a hero or champion, 53. So, like Jeff Demence a champion. He is. So he why is. not? Let's, yeah. let's, I, I say we give it to him. Jeff DeMent honored by the Legends and Heroes this weekend and called a champion while, while being honored. Former champion Jeff DeMent. Yep. Um, you know what this race was missing a little bit? It was missing a little bit of Valentin Tellier. Did you guys agree? Like just, I think you were missing him. Like a little bit of flash and dash. Just a little spice was out of the, out of the race. So. Well, I think he was missing that even when he was racing. <laughs> Maybe. Who do you have? In the battle for tenth, Lieb or Canada? Who do we ha- who do we got? Honestly, I, do you think one. either of them know that they're even in a battle for tenth? Um, yeah, I think so. I think this kind of stuff. Yeah. I think that stuff matters to those guys. Okay, you know, so I got to go with Canada. If I'm gonna go. Okay, yeah. all right. I, I think Canada's gonna finish higher than Lieb. All right, fantastic. Um. The best name of the night, the best rider name of the night, without a doubt, 20th place in the 250 race, Cheyenne Harmon. That's strong. <laughs> Cheyenne Harmon. She rode great. <laughs> kind of sounds like somebody who would be on stage four, right? Stage four, <laughs> stage four. Cheyenne Harmon, stage four. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know who the guy is, but he's from Ovilla, Texas. And he's Cheyenne Harmon. And uh, he's finished right behind Ruben Alanis. You ought to know. Ruben Alanis. It's pretty ironic. It is, don't you think? <laughs> uh, Colt Neck got a gift in the LCQ. We, we were in the NFAB suite mowing down some uh, chicken. We got a gift. We got a gift in the NFAB uh, suite with free. Should have seen Weege, JT. He's just like. So oh, I can imagine. So this is all just, just, just free, just all, all of this. And uh, he had a hot dog. He had some, ready. He had a hot dog. He had some sliders. He had a cookie. He had chicken fingers. Ah, oh. stuffing food in his cargo pants pocket like Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> um, but uh, Colt Neck got a gift. Two dudes in front of him. LCQ rode on by. Gotta like that. Um. 
What else? Anything else? The, the, the 250 class was also not that exciting. Just, I guess the Wilson catching Anderson at the end was pretty, pretty, uh, you know, oh, can he, like I even tweeted, like, is he going to get Anderson? Is Anderson going to get Anderson? Uh, but, uh, I, again, kind of one of those nights, JT, where the guys were just kind of struggling. Yeah, I mean, that, the, the 250 race was much more exciting than the 450, I thought. Even though there wasn't a bunch of passing going on, at least there was some suspense and, and some kind of anticipation of something going to happen. The 450 was just like, oh, okay, yeah. Bill Poto, we'll, we'll see you later. <laughs> Bill Poto uh, was good. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was definitely a letdown of a night after a very eventful practice. So Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Did uh, – now, I'm, again, I'm too lazy to go back and check, but in, in our uh, uh, Fox uh, Airspace Goggle pre-race podcast, did I not pick Villo Barsha Dunge? Did I? I mean, I know Dunge didn't do it, but like, I think I, I think I got Villo and Barsha, and I, I said, maybe. If, what? Maybe so. I, I honestly don't remember. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Well, I think I did. So, yeah, I think you did. Okay. right, because I said if, if James is like James won't, he'll make a mistake and finish off the podium. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. One of us is predicting that James would be on the podium with puke all over him, though. Yeah, that might have been you, Weech. You said that. Yeah, you said there'd be puke. I picked him to be third. I I picked him for a third. I didn't know how he was going to get there. Yeah. But, yeah. Right, and then then I said, you can't go third. You have to go. Well, I I thought he was going to put in an uninspired ride, which I was was right about that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little bit less inspired than I was hoping for. Right, right. Um... Cooper Webb had another weird deal in practice with Mookie, right? That was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. So Mookie's idling around the outside. Webb comes in hot, hits him, goes down, and puts his hands up like, what? 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 Meanwhile, Mookie was ahead of him, idling around the track. I, it's, I don't know. So weird. Yeah, I'm not sure. It was, right. it was really weird. Like, it was reversal of roles. Yeah, yeah, weird deal. Um Speaking of championship favorites for next year, Justin Hill's got to be up there. Uh, he's probably done enough to keep a ride at Mitch's, right? Does everybody think? I mean. With the guys moving up and the guys available, yes, I would yeah. think he would be an easy choice. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What else? Anything else? There was something where we said we got to talk about this on our podcast. What was that, though? <laughs> there was, one of us was like, hey, we should talk about this on our podcast on Monday. I didn't think it was either one. The Nets, I mean, I'm I'm bringing up the Nets whenever I can. I feel like I'm a little bit ahead of my time. When I pass away, people will be, what a trendsetter that Mathis was. That's what people will say. When Nets are I up. I think they'll say many things. I'm not sure if that will be one of them. <laughs> when the Nets are up. Um, Seattle this weekend, uh, yeah, it should be exciting. Denny Stevenson will make an appearance. That's always good. But Jeff Gordon making an appearance. Right? Ricky Fowler, Casey Stoner, Danny Pedrosa. There was lots and lots of heavy hitters. Yeah. I expect the MotoGP guys. Like, I expect that they're not racing on next weekend, but they like to, you know, kind of get a holiday in the U.S. and hang out. And they're motorcycle guys. There's a, a go back and forth. But there's Jeff Gordon just hanging out. Yeah, I mean. But that was strange. I didn't know. he. I, I mean, obviously the folks at Supercross – Never let us forget which crossover stars like our sport. 
I don't remember seeing Jeff Gordon at all in that list. Jimmy Johnson. I've, I've seen him at Vegas before. Oh, you have? Okay. Yeah, he he was at Vegas. Him and Jimmy both flew over. They're racing Fontana. Okay, so, so flew over for Vegas. Supercross. Okay, so Gordon is in the Supercross a little bit or whatever. So. But yeah, I think yeah, it's, but it, I think if Dallas. you look at it as a whole, like with Fowler, the MotoGP guys are who many people who are listening to this podcast may not know, but they're global stars. Like if you go to Europe, if you go to Asia, they're they're big, big time. So to have Ricky Fowler, huge golf, you know, up and coming rising star, uh, Gordon, MotoGP guys. That's a lot of star power, especially for a, a race in Houston, which you would never expect it there. Yeah, uh, Casey Stoner, I didn't know who he was, and I was under the Cowie truck and talking to Chad or something, and he goes, hey, aren't you the guy, didn't you used to do those videos, those how-to videos? And I'm like thinking, what's he talking about? Who? First of all, I'm like, who is this guy? Second of all, I'm like, what's he talking And I'm like, oh, yeah. Remember, I went to Transworld for a year, everybody. Uh and I did these 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 tech tip videos in like 2010 or whatever it was. So I just go, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I did those. Yeah, yeah. he goes, yeah, those were good. And I'm like, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And then I just like walked away. Did he ask you what you're doing now? No, no, that was another fan. <laughs> uh, um, but I, and then so later on, someone's like, there's Casey Stoner, and I'm like, oh, that's the guy who asked me about. I'm like, what? Casey, Casey Stoner. Casey Stoner is asking me about my 2010 tech tip videos for Transworld that he remembers. Like, it was very bizarre. And then I was like, oh, hey, I didn't know who you were, but nice to meet you, Casey. I, you know, I'm, yes, I did those videos, and yeah, I'm at Racer X now or whatever, and, and all that. It was just very bizarre. We, you, Pretty crazy that him and Chad Reed both come out of a tiny ass town called Curry Curry in the middle of nowhere. Both come out of the same town and become world champions in their respective disciplines. That's pretty. That's pretty crazy. Very coincidental. I would like someone to calculate the the uh, average household income of Curry Curry before and after um, <laughs> those two hit it big. I don't know, but Yari Curry was a great hockey player in the eighties. I'm not a big fan of Curry uh, Indian food. Yari Curry was spelled the same way as Curry. Same way as Curry. He was driving for Ducati or Honda. Okay, so he was essentially riding the most advanced racing motorcycle in the world with the biggest army of well-trained engineers and techs uh, of anyone on Earth, surrounded constantly by engineers, the most well-qualified, smartest motorcycle, brilliant minds on Earth. And then when he's done, he just watches Mathis show how to wash an air, air filter. And <laughs> watches me on YouTube make a Tim Ferry joke. Tell you how to change something on your bike. No, I think I think what happened was these these brilliant engineers are like, okay, they get done working on the bike, and you want to you want to see something really funny? Watch this, and they turn on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know. He said they were good though. An example of one tech tip. Name one of the tech tips that you did. Oh, I did a ton, dude. I did fifty of them. So no, but just tell me, give me an example of the type of stuff you were doing. Was it like adjusting a chain, or was it like? Yeah, changing a clutch, adjusting a chain, mounting a handguard. There you go. Do, doing a top end. Uh, you know, doing a seat cover. Um, I th- one of them was how to put ga- one of them was how to put one of them was how to put gas in your bike. We literally did it as this a joke. This man is being paid tens of millions of dollars to ride the most advanced motorcycle the world has ever seen, and he watches you how to staple a seat cover yeah. and foam onto a bike. Like I like I said, when I'm long gone, will I finally be appreciated? No, only then will people go. Wow, that guy's really onto something. Look at these nets we have. 
you know. When you're long gone, it will be appreciated for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anything else? I feel like this has been a lackluster podcast, by the way. I don't know. Oh, I think it's been spectacular. I don't know if it's uh, my fault. Or... Lacklusterness is a perfect. We are trying to relay the feelings of the race. Maybe that's yeah, the race it. was terrible. Yeah, maybe that's it. I didn't stay in a haunted hotel yeah. this week, year, so I got nothing. None of those stories. Um, I, feel, I feel like though that the racing in the McGrath era and the Carmichael era was like this every week. So it's kind of a return to that. That's I, how I just like, oh yeah, McGrath won. Oh yeah, I, I agree. I agree. There was there was many many years of just just runaways. You know, yep. just, yeah. I had friends that were very casual fans. They're like, oh, yeah, I didn't watch the race, but I heard Carmichael won again. Like, they just didn't care. Like, it was just so boring. They knew yeah. who was going to win. And so, yeah, it's definitely not good for the sport. And we got a little taste of how that was again this weekend. That's not possible. They were riding two strokes back then. Oh, yes. You're yeah, oh, yeah. The racing was better. People had more money. The racing yeah, was better. They were on two strokes. How dare you say? We, we only went through Jeremy McGrath's entire career every win on a two stroke. The most dominant. One guy crushing everyone over the longest span ever was done on a two-stroke. Racing was better back then. Two-strokes. Yeah. Had all those battles. <laughs> Screw you, Weed. You're ruining the sport. Why don't you just focus on when the gate drops, bro? <laughs> so. All right. Well, we got to pick it up next week after Seattle. So we got to make it. You got to make. We got to come back in hotter. We're relaying what the race was like. Yeah, you're right. What are we supposed to do? You're right. There's nothing to talk about. Well, I'm jealous of the fact that you flew in Saturday That's morning. John Knowles. Nothing to talk about. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. Uh, all those podcast idiots can wait, I think was the quote. Was he implored us to not do this podcast because he's like, there's nothing to talk about in this race. Why? Why yeah. would you even talk about it? Yeah. He told Although me he almost did get beat down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He told me to go spend time with Pookie today instead of doing this podcast, everybody. John Knowles, Scott Goggles. Um, uh, flying in Saturday morning was a strong move, Weege. Good move. I, I didn't think you would think it was a strong move. You're usually very critical of my uh, lack of commitment or whatever you want to call it. You know, I, missing three races this year, and I, I was—I thought it was awesome. It was great. Do you guys know I've been following this series full time since 1996, and. This will be my – I am on track for the first time ever. I'm not good at math, so how many years is that since 1996? Looks like 18. Thank you. Okay, I am the first – this is the first time in 18 years I am on track to go to every single race. I have never gone to every single race. You should skip Vegas. <laughs> I should, right? You should skip it. <laughs> Just, I mean, literally, I, I – if I go there and pass out goggles and go home, does that count as going? I think it's a strong move. Strong move just to keep the streak alive. A move of defiance. Weed, have you done every single race? Yeah, that's why you always question my dedication. We did the webcast. I had no choice. Oh, I'm yeah. required to go to every single and race. And then, of course. Including Canada in December. Like. Yeah, okay, but did you go to the outdoors back then and all of them? You, I mean, you weren't. You were GNCC guys, so you weren't necessarily needed at the outdoors. Well, it depends on what your definition of a race is, but if I wasn't at a national, it was because I was at a GNCC. So. Well, then that doesn't count. I mean, that every single count. Supercross That's and true. national. It's, 
It's actually more travel, longer days, more ridiculous circumstances, but it actually does not count. Not sure if you guys are aware of this, but I did that for like 15 years in a row. Have you made every race, JT? Oh, yes, many, 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 oh, okay. many, many times. Well, no, I mean, maybe... Why you been asking? No, I mean, maybe he twists an ankle. One, I mean, I know a few of them. Uh, there was a year or two there, like, oh, four, I missed one. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. yeah, but most of the time, I'm, I made all of them. Okay, I've never gone to every single race, and I am on track right now. I usually skip a Supercross. I'm on track right now to go every single race. Very exciting. I cannot believe this. When I skip one, when I skip one, you act like I punch my kid in the face. No, now I'm a, you're telling me you've never gone to everyone ever. Well, when I was a mechanic, I had a lot of rider injuries or guys weren't doing the other coast or something. Um, as a media guy... not bad enough, but it sounds like. <laughs> okay. Um, no, Weej, I'm okay with you missing one. You are now... You've missed three. That's quite a difference. It was good. It was awesome. Okay. I, this, is, this is... I'm just going to let you folks in on... Throughout the year, these various conversations will be peppered in. What are you doing missing this many races? What are you doing? That's ridiculous. Then later on in the year, you'll hear Matt the saying, what am I doing? I'm almost going to be 40. Why am I in the pits interviewing guys every week and building goggles for dudes at midnight? Why am I doing this every week? <laughs> so just argue that, down. That is very accurate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why am I doing this every weekend? You missed the part about me. Why am I interviewing 16- and 17-year-old kids? Sorry. Yeah. Yes. So just argue with yourself. Right. We have a bet. We have a bet actually in place on this very subject. We do, don't we? We oh, do. Oh, it's very exciting. What, what, what was it again? <laughs> that you will not be at half the race. Oh, you no. will be at under half the race. No, it wasn't half. Yes, it is. It wasn't half, but it was it's something half. around there. <laughs> what did I say? That I wouldn't be at half? You will be at under half of the races next year. Was it next year I said that? <laughs> well, you said it a week ago, but it's uh, about next year, yes. Uh, <laughs> why did I say that? That's funny. <laughs> I was very frustrated at that moment. Whatever I was, I live in the moment. I'm very passionate and very emotional, and I live in the moments. So, But uh, anyways, congrats to me for potentially going to every race this year. I'm on track. We're very proud of you. Just no credit for the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a little different. He he had to go. He's racing them. You know what I mean? I don't have to go, but I am. I might even spot. Have you been to every race? Are you going to every race this year? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. I might even spice in yeah. a Canadian national now that Alessi's going. I gotta go to one, right? Yeah, you do have to do that. I mean, yeah. there's a week. The first weekend off, I can go to Regina. So. I can't. How could you even say that name without laughing? Yeah. <laughs> I grew up with it, so it's easy. Yeah. You grew up with Regina? Yeah, I know. It's just like a... Yeah. What are you doing on your weekend off? And then you just drop that on him. Yeah. Flying, uh, into, flying into Regina. Uh, all right. The BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox. Foxhead.com, BTOsports.com. Use the code PulpMX to save yourself money. That's Jason Wygant, uh, Jason Wygant, and that's Jason Thomas, and I'm Steve Mathis, and we thank you guys for listening. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing.
Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pitch and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the